This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Investec Asset Management. Value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. Michael Power is an investment strategist at Investec Asset Management, sometimes in Cape Town. He's just returned from a six-city tour of Southeast Asia and he's here to report back to us. Michael, first of all, Southeast Asia. It seems to be a different place to Europe, the United States of America and other areas. It seems to be getting on with its business and working quite well. Yes, I suppose you could say it's an ill wind that blows someone something good. And Southeast Asia at the moment, if anything, at the margin with countries like uh, Indonesia and Vietnam may even be picking up positively from the trade war as uh, China shifts some of its supply chain uh, down south. So, yes, it seems to be very determined. Uh, It seems to be uh, very set on continuing down its path. It may suffer a little bit, but not much in the coming year. And I think by next year, they will again be reaccelerating. But going down to a mere 6% GDP growth is hardly anything to cry about. No, 6% GDP growth is just a utopian dream for countries like South Africa. And before we get on to the specific cities that you visited, talk to me about Southeast Asia, because a lot of people think that China is part of the Southeast Asia grouping when it comes to emerging markets. Can you clarify what is Southeast Asia? Look, I don't think China is in Southeast Asia, though Hong Kong might be an honorary member of it. It's really what I call the three Indos now, which is a a grouping around Indochina, the classic sort of Vietnam, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, the Indies, which is the Philippines and uh, Indonesia, and then increasingly the Indian subcontinent, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, and of course India. And those three Indos are combining at the moment to create a new dynamic in not just the region, but the world. And they've got great demographics, uh, unlike, for instance, China. They've got better even productivity growth than China. They're coming off a lower base in terms of uh, unit cost of labor. And they have the legendary work ethic that that region seems to, to exemplify. So actually, it's in a very good space. And it's really what's adding the edge to the Asian growth story at the moment. I mean, at the second derivative level, the rate of growth of that part of the world has now uh, decidedly overtaken that of China. Speaking of China, we're on the eve of the year of the pig. Should we be gorging ourselves on Southeast Asia when it comes to asset classes? And I think the best way for you to describe that or explain that is by going through a business travelogue of the six cities that you have visited, starting with your first visit. What was it? I was in Hong Kong to start with, and that, of course, is obviously itself growing at only about 3%, but it's still caught up very much in the China story. And Hong Kong was in, in good fettle. The, the property prices weren't as great as they have been, but then they were stratospheric before. But the place was continuing with a, a grim determination, and, and I think we you know we'll, uh, we'll reaccelerate once, once this squall has passed through. But they are obviously front and center in the trade war. But I do think that when you get down to places like Kuala Lumpur, down to Singapore, I was in Bangkok, Jakarta, and Manila as well, there's something else happening. There's something in the water that tells you that this, this whole region is undergoing a transformation and is a lot more dynamic at the second derivative level, the rate of growth, than it's been in the past. And it's a place that uh, collectively uh, has a weight which uh, isn't quite that of China in terms of economic size, but in terms of their contribution 
to uh, global growth at the moment. I think it's twice that of Europe and, and one and a half times that of the United States. So uh, it's not uh, not to be sniffed at. Something else is happening is what you said, which is an enigmatic and teasing way to say what? Look, I think that the first and obvious thing is that they've had the fallout of the, the trade wars in their favour. So if you can shift your supply chain to Vietnam, you can probably get around the idea of having your wrist slapped by, by Donald Trump. But I think there's something else at work here. I think that's that the education that that region has had has is now finally starting to pay off. It's a bright region. It's a hardworking region. Um, and yes, you have to be to some extent because the population is huge and, and there's a lot of competition for the jobs that are available. But there's just, a, there's just something else going on there that uh, I think is really profound. Um, and I uh, see the global economy at the moment slowing down. And I think by the end of this year, we'll probably be uh, close to, if not technically, in recession. But that's not going to be the case for Asia. And if you see a light at the end of the tunnel at the moment, it's probably the light of an oncoming Asian train. And don't assume that the driver of that train is, is simply China, although the driver of the train might well be in large part China. Part of that driver will be uh, the consumer. Uh, and that's the real magic of this story. It's not just about production, the consumer that is emerging across the whole of the region. And I think that's the story there. But uh, no, I think there's something else. I think there is a determination, a sense that it is our time uh, now and uh, and we're not going to, to fluff it. There is a real sense of destiny, I suppose, uh, that is starting to, to unfold across the region. And it's really impressive to watch. I mean, yes, there's things like the quality of service, which is almost peerless. I mention it only because I mention it, the quality of food, which is almost peerless. Mm. Yeah, that part of the world is, is a pleasure to visit. It's easier to visit. So it's just a question of, you know, uh, yes, I can see what's happening and I can see why it's happening. You talked about destiny, but there's also a determination as well from what you're saying, a determination that China has, but China doesn't have the sort of open economy and open media that you've just described, in other words, television stations and newspapers, etc. So do you think that collectively the Southeast Asian cities and countries that you visited could be a rival, not to usurp China in an economic sense, but in a, a cultural, a business cultural sense? That's probably right, though be under no illusion. We shouldn't underestimate the sheer power of China, which continues to, to compound each year. If the ignorance is on our side because we simply can't understand the ignorance is on our side, that doesn't mean that China isn't doing uh, incredibly well. And the central part of my main message was that China is no longer a copycat. And pretty much in every sphere of science, which you look at at the moment, and while I was there, the Economist had a front cover, the MIT review, Technology Review had a front cover talking about the rise of Chinese science. This is what's really the big story. This is why the uh, the trade war is taking place at the moment, because I think the United States has realized that not only is China most likely going to be bigger than the United States economically by 2030, but it's going to be, in inverted commas I'm using this expression, cleverer and in virtually every sphere. I mean, take the whole story that's blown up about Apple. When the reality is, is that, yes, there may be an element of slowdown in the Chinese consumer towards uh, towards Apple. But the large part of the story, which, of course, Tim Cook's not going to begin to admit to, is that Chinese product in the smartphone space is now better than the iPhone. Things like the, the, the OnePlus 6 and the uh, uh, Mate 20 Pro from Huawei are better phones than the iPhone. 
Um, and this must, uh, you know, the reality is, is that uh, he's having his lunch eaten in China because the products that he's up against are better than his. So uh, understand it and you begin to see a whole region in a whole different light. You conducted a series of presentations while you were there. Of course, that was your main mission. What was the message you were putting out and what was the reaction? Well, I think the the reaction was inevitably going to be hugely positive in the sense that uh, I was saying China is no longer a copycat. And I used the story of Apple, I suppose, to explain that. And obviously, people like to hear it. There there is a, a, you know, though no one's going to admit it boldly, there is a a sense that the region is not quite sure how to deal with this enormous creature that is emerging in the midst of it, namely China. And so, you know, there were some very interesting discussions in in Singapore journals and newspapers about how, how can we best relate to China. And it's not, you know, all positive, but but nevertheless, the vast majority of the fallout for the region as a whole from the rise of China is is immensely positive. And they're just happy to be swept along for the ride. Really, it's it's just history, history unfolding. How does one take advantage of the optimism that you've put forward with this uh, in the last few minutes? How does one take advantage of it from an investment point of view? It doesn't necessarily mean... Look, it probably means that at some course in the next 12 months, if you haven't engaged Asia in one way or another, especially if you haven't been there before, then you truly are missing out on an extraordinary opportunity. What I will say, though, is that there may well be short-term fallout because what's happening in Europe, what's happening in the United States, you know, what's not happening in Japan, I suppose, but in the, in the Western three, that might still set the tone for the world as a whole. But that probably is going to knock asset prices in Asia down a bit, but make them an even more compelling buy when you do choose to engage later in the year. So I think that, you know, this is the year of the pig, as you said. And at some stage in the year of the pig, if you don't find yourself engaging Asia, either for the first time or more than you have already, um, you're going to miss out on a great opportunity. Michael, thank you very much for your insight and telling us about your trip. That's Michael Power, investment strategist at Investec Asset Management in Cape Town. In South Africa, Investec Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider.